0: God questions. These six weeks went by very quickly. If you are worshiping with us for the first time, we're thrilled that, you've, that you're giving us a try, and we hope in some small way God is blessing you today. And what we've been doing over the last number of weeks is this study called the God Questions, and there's six of them. The first one was, is God real? Is there any conclusive evidence about God? The second question was, if God is real, then what about the word of God, the Bible? Is that God's word to us, the scriptures? The third one was, do all roads lead to heaven? We uh, look around our culture today, worldwide, we look around and they're very, very sincere people and what they believe, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto unto the Father except through me. The fourth question was, if God is a good God... How on earth can there be so much suffering in the world? When we look around the world, all the, uh, the violence and the suffering, why doesn't God do something about that? And if you were with us last week, we talked about creation and evolution, a hotly debated subject, creation and, uh, and evolution. Well, this week, this Sunday, we're going to conclude this study by asking the question, what happens when I die? And if there is a heaven, what will heaven be like? Now to do that, we're going to ask you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to the very end of the Word of God. Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to listen to verse 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a handout in your bulletin. It looks like this. We'd encourage you to take that out because there's several short words that we want you to write down. Hopefully it'll etch this into your minds. In the meantime, our sister Marilyn's going to read it for us in English. And our brother Patrick is going to read it for us in French. And as they make their way to the pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Okay, so I'm reading from Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 4.
1: Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Thank you, Lord. Apocalypse chapitre 21, versets 1 à 4. Hmm. Puis je vis un nouveau ciel et une nouvelle terre, car le premier ciel et la première terre avaient disparu, et la mer n'était plus. Et je vis descendre du ciel, auprès de Dieu, la ville sainte, la nouvelle Jérusalem, préparée comme une épouse qui s'apparaît. Pour sonner pour, j'ai entendu du trône une forte voix qui disait Voici le tabernacle de Dieu. Avec les hommes, il habitera avec eux, et ils seront son peuple. Et Dieu lui-même sera avec eux, et il essuiera toutes les larmes de leurs yeux, et la mort ne sera plus. Et il n'y aura plus de dé. ni cri ni douleur, car les premières choses ont disparu. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for the beauty of that promise that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and all those who have put, put their faith and trust in Jesus are members of that family of God, and that's what we have to look forward to. So we pray this morning, Lord, as we are gathered here together, that the Spirit of God would be upon us and that that your word and your promise of your word would just come alive in us and encourage us and bless us. We thank you for this, Lord, and pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, uh, Patrick. Merci, merci. One other thing I'd ask you to pray for, I forgot to ask you to pray for, is my wife. She's on her way to uh, Las Vegas, so I'll be a lonely guy for a few days. So please keep her in your prayers that she has a wonderful time away from her husband. (laughs) Amen. Okay. What happens when I die? What will happen when I die, and is there a heaven? There was uh, a pastor by the name of Don Piper, and maybe you've heard of Don. A number of years ago, he had gone to a con- conference, I think it was in uh, Dallas, Texas. After the conference was over and he was heading home, he was in a terrible, terrible accident. He was killed instantly because there were so many cars around where the accident was, it was on a bridge and so forth. It took, um, it took 90 minutes for the, um, for the EMTs to get to his body. Once they got to his body, Uh, They pronounced him dead on the the scene, and they covered his body over. And all of a sudden, in a split second, to their shock and amazement, he sat up. He was alive. Well, he wrote a book about his experience, and it's called 90 Minutes in Heaven. I would encourage you to read that sometime, maybe this summer. It would be a good summer reading. But what struck me, what one simple thing struck me in that entire book was this. He he has a deep, deep love for his wife. He has a deep, deep love for his children, a deep, deep love for the church that he serves, the people that he cares for. But despite all of that love that he has for people, he pleaded with Jesus that he would not have to be sent back into the world. Heaven was so wonderful. It was so far beyond his imagination, more magnificent than he could ever dream of. He did not want to come back into the world. Now, theologians say to us that we've got to be very careful when somebody tells us about an experience and compare that experience to the truth of the word of God. Well, the truth of the word of God, and I hope we'll see that this morning, fit perfectly with what Don experienced. That The truth of the word of God tells us that heaven is going to be beyond our imagination. It is beyond uh, anything, that, Any glory that we can possibly conceive in our hearts and our minds. And it is something that we have to look forward to through our faith in Jesus Christ. So this, this morning, I want us to think about a couple of things. We're going to assume, I'm going to assume, that there is a heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that place will be like once we reach heaven. So several things I want you to write down. And if you've got your outline out, the first thing I want you to write down, if you would please... Heaven is for God's family. Would you write that down? Heaven is for God's family. Let me explain. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul says this, For you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, and you have been brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So what Paul Paul is teaching us is that we were born into spiritual darkness, but God in his love for us reached into our lives and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He brought us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ through our faith in Jesus Christ and something profound and wonderful happened. But what we've got to fix in our mind is that we were alienated from God, but through our faith in Jesus, suddenly we became members of God's family. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven. Now think about that for a moment. This world is no longer your home. You are are a wanderer. You are a foreigner in this world. Your true home is in heaven if you've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. He goes on to say, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Now how did that happen? Well, it happened the moment that we trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. God did something powerful and wonderful. He he gave us birth, a spiritual birth. The moment that you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, what we're celebrating today in the uh, the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell on the believers and they were transformed on the inside. They didn't change on the outside, but on the inside they were dramatically transformed. That's what happened to you the moment that you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God came into you and made an internal union with your human spirit. Now, here's what the net result is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Listen to this. You've got it on your outline. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us. Now, watch this. And put his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So, the moment you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, you got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was a deposit to guarantee that you would know without a shadow of a doubt that someday when you pass away, you will be in the presence of, of God forever and ever. Amen. That's the hope that you have. It is guaranteed because it's a deposit to guarantee that you know, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that someday when you pass away, you will immediately be in the presence of God. Now, that causes us and, and, and makes for us to be children of God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So you're, you're a member of the, of the family of God. And in him, you, are, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives in you by his spirit. So God is doing something, working in your life day by day, moment by moment. You might not see it all the time, but God is working in you, transforming you, and he's developing you as his child, the child being a child of the living God. So the question this morning is, what happens when we die? What happens when your heart stops beating? What happens when you close your eyes for the the last time while you're in this world? Well, there is good and unbelievably wonderful uh, news for you and I who believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. The promise of the scriptures is this. The Apostle Paul says, absent from the body, absent from this flesh and, 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 and blood and bones, and immediately present with the Lord. Listen to what the scripture says. In 2 Corinthians 5.8 Yes, we are fully confident so Paul is saying I know this from the bottom of my heart and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord forever. Now listen to Psalm 116 verse 15 Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let me say that again Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints Now When we lose a loved one, when when a a loved one passes away, we grieve, our hearts break because uh, our loved one has has left us. But At the same time, the scripture says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of a saint. That loved one is precious to God, and immediately that loved one goes to be in the presence of God forever. Because that's what God has desired and planned for that person, and that's what God has desired and planned for you. The moment that you close your eyes for the last time, immediately you will be in the presence of God Almighty. Now, what I want to share with you next is, is not a lot of fun, but it's important that we, that we, uh, we talk about this because uh, the first thing is, what is fascinating, the scripture teaches us, this might surprise some of you, uh, but when, when you die as a believer, you are going to go to a temporary heaven, theologians call it the intermediate state. Now, you might not have ever heard of this. Maybe you have heard of this. But when you and I die as believers in Jesus Christ, we are going to a temporary heaven. Jesus called that in Luke chapter 4, paradise. You you might remember that story of uh, of the two thieves, one on either side of Jesus. One mocks him, yet the other one says, what on earth is the matter with you? This man has done nothing wrong. We are criminals. And then he says to Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now paradise is a temporary state. You will see that in Luke chapter 16. Uh, Many of you know the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, The the rich man wanted the things of this world. That's all his mind was on was the the things of this world. He wanted to accumulate more and more of the things of this world. At the edge of the entry to his gate was a poor man by the name of Lazarus that he could care less about. But Lazarus had a heart for God. Now both of them died. And the scripture tells us that immediately Lazarus was carried to the bosom of Abraham. Now that's a metaphor for paradise, the temporary state that believers go to the moment that they, they die, those that are in Jesus. But it also said that the rich man was carried to Hades where he was in torment. And That's what we need to talk about for just a moment. All those who do not believe, all those that reject the free gift of eternal life that Christ offers to everyone, God is going to honor their wishes He will not force anybody to do something that they don't want to do, and that's be with him forever and ever. But the tragedy of it is, if you reject Jesus as Lord and Savior, then your destiny is a place called Hades. First of all, it's a temporary place. But then, eventually, you will be resurrected, and then you will be cast into the lake of fire that has been designed for the devil and all of his angels. Now, God's harsh desire is that you would not go there God wants you to know about it, to be, to be sober about it. And over and over again, God is calling you out of the things of this world and into his kingdom. God wants you to be a member of his family... And to repent of your sins, to believe on Christ as Lord and Savior, so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a member of God's family. It all begins with understanding. If you want to know about what happens when you die, if you want to know what what, uh, heaven will be like, it begins with knowing that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of the living God because you put your trust and faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Listen to what... uh, The scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is what John sees before the throne of God. Incredible. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. John had been catapulted to heaven, and that's what he saw. Every anybody, anywhere in the globe, at any time, at any moment, that repents, humbles themselves before God, puts their trust and faith in Jesus, they immediately become a member of God's family and are guaranteed that when they pass away, they'll immediately go to be in the presence of God. Now, We've talked about the temporary location called paradise, a temporary heaven. Now we need to talk about our eternal home. So the second thing that I want you to write down at the bottom of your paper is this. Heaven is our eternal home. Now this is what God has prepared for you. There's a temporary heaven that you will go to the moment that you, that, uh, you pass away. But God is getting all of the universe ready. For the eternal home that he has designed especially for his children, all who have believed and trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. So I want you to listen again to what Marilyn and Patrick read to us because it's profound and wonderful. There's a couple of things that we want to highlight. We don't have time to go in too much depth this morning. But I want you to do your own research, your own reading. But listen once again to Revelation 21, 1-4 because it is powerful and wonderful. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Catch that, if you would, please. God is going to, Peter tells us, 2 Peter, that uh, this this universe, this world in which we live in, that's full of uh, anger, it's full of loneliness, it's full of disease, full of brokenness, full of wars, full of terrorism, full of heartbreak, all of this stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. It's going to be rolled up like a scroll, and it's going to be burned up, and it's going to be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth, and this new heaven and this new earth is designed specifically for God's children, for God's family. He goes on to say, and the sea was also gone, which is powerful. I'd love to, to preach on that this morning, but we just don't have enough time, so I'm going to skip over it. kills me to skip over it. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. Right now, the old Jerusalem is hotly contested. There's a spiritual battle that's going on there on a daily basis. You need to understand that because the devil wants that city. The devil thinks if he can get a hold of that city, he can prevent Jesus from coming back. That's why it's in the headlines of the news almost on a weekly basis. It's a spiritual battle that's going on there. But that old Jerusalem is going to be replaced by a new and glorious Jerusalem that's going to be beyond our imagination. Now, he goes on to say that uh, it's coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, that bride, once again, if you're familiar with the word of God, is God's church. All who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now here's what, uh, what John tells us he heard. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look... God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Now watch this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All the sadness, all the brokenness, all the loneliness of of this world is going to be dealt with once and for all. It is personal. God knows all the difficulties that you're going through in your life, moment by moment, second by second. He cares about you. He loves you. When you see Him face to face, He's going to wipe away every tear. All of your brokenness is going to be healed and you are going to be blessed beyond imagination. And all that you're suffering while you're here in this world is going to be a distant memory because you're going to be overwhelmed by the beauty of God. Now every tear will be wiped from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying and pain. All these things are gone forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give God a thanksgiving? This is good. It's good news. Good news. Now what I want to do over the next few moments is, uh, the question is, what is, um, what is heaven like? Now the word of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, scattered throughout, there are just over and over these beautiful passages that give, up, give us glimpses of heaven. So what I want to do over the next few moments, I've given you some uh, passages that you can look up on your own, I'm going to read them through for you very uh, briefly. But uh, to address some of the things that we have questions about, and the first one, if you look at the, the, the other side of your outline, the first one is our bodies. Now, what's going to happen at some point in time is that uh, there's going to be, the scripture teaches us, there's going to be a loud trumpet blast And the Bible says the dead in Christ will be uh, resurrected from all those of our our families, believers, uh, that are in the grave. Their bodies will be resurrected from the bodies. And those bodies will be transformed into new bodies, heavenly bodies, that will be... uh, that will be designed forever and ever. Amen. Okay, If you're alive when Jesus comes back, your body in a split second will be transformed and it will be designed to last forever and ever. Amen. So here's what the Bible says about our new bodies. Philippians 3.21 Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, Jesus, will transform our lowly bodies. He's talking about the bodies that we're living in now. So that they will be like his glorious body. Now in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 2, you'll see to the right of that body, it says, be like Jesus. Listen to what John says in 1 John. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Once again, we believe in Jesus, we become children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, now listen to this, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now that's profound and wonderful. If you know the stories of the Scripture, particularly in the Gospel of John, Jesus comes back. Thomas, remember that story? Thomas puts his hands into his side. He touches his hands. He's he's flesh and blood. He's three-dimensional, even though he's resurrected from the dead. Scripture tells us that uh, he eats broiled fish with Peter and James and John. So we will be like Jesus. But at the same time, If you know the story, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, he walks through walls. You will be able to walk through walls. Now, what I'm about to say is my own speculation. This is not the word of God. It's my own little warped mind. But I believe that our bodies are going to be equipped so that all of the universe will be the playground for God's children. That we will be able to transport ourselves anywhere in the universe at any moment because we will be like Jesus, and God has created and will recreate the universe to be our playground, because once again, we will be like Jesus. Now, the next thing I want you to, to uh, draw your attention to is home. What will our home be like? Well, Jesus gives us a glimpse in John 14, too. He says this, My father's house has many rooms. Now in the Greek, that can be translated rooms. It can be translated dwellings. But it also can be translated, listen to this, mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now listen. For 2,000 years, my friends, Jesus has been preparing a place for you. He knows everything about you. He loves you. He knows what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Everything about what he's preparing is for you and your heart's desire. It will be beyond your imagination. And that is the home that you're looking forward to, your heavenly home, your heavenly dwelling. Now, the next one is marriage. Now, this one is a little bit disappointing to me. I have to confess Because the the Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us, that when we get to heaven, we're no longer going to be married to our spouse. Now, that breaks my heart a little bit, because I want to be married to my spouse forever and ever. Amen. But it's better news, and i got to get used to the better news. Uh, We are going to be, instead, we're going to be brothers and sisters in heaven. Because we, through faith in Jesus, are the bride of Christ. We, in essence, are going to be married to Christ in heaven forever and ever, Amen. So in the meantime, we're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven. Will we work? The answer is absolutely, positively. Uh, Jesus said in, in John five seventeen. In his def- defense, he said to them, "My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I am, and I too am working." Now, if you know uh, the Word of God in Genesis. The Bible tells us that before Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God placed them in the garden and he said to work the garden. Because God's plan and desire is that work would be satisfactory to his children and to his people. That it would not be burdensome, that in fact it would be a joy. It's because the world has fallen that the sin and rebellion makes our jobs difficult At times. Now, what about food? Well, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus said, I confer uh, on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table uh, in in my kingdom and sit on thrones, thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So, yes, we will eat. Our bodies will be like Jesus' body. He ate when he was resurrected from the dead. And last, many people say, will there be animals in heaven? Well, here's what the scripture says. The prophet Isaiah says this. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. So yes, there will be animals in heaven. Now, these just a handful of many of the wonderful things that the scripture tells us about what you and I have to look forward to, but the sum total is this. God is designing a new heaven and a new earth for you and me. It is going to be glorious beyond our imagination. And it is something that God wants us to know, that he wants us to look forward to this. Listen to what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11. All these people, now what it's talking about is the saints that have gone on ahead of us. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, this is while they were in the world, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, in other words, if they longed for where they were in the world at that time, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Now listen, that's the question you've got to ask yourself is this. I am a believer in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Am I looking forward to the things of this world or is my heart being transformed? Am I looking forward to the great things that God has ahead for me? Do I want more and more of the things of the world that are going to be uh, burned up and thrown away and replaced by the glorious things of God? Or am I investing my life in the future, investing my life in the wonderful things that God has for me. That's what he's saying about these Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. They were longing for the good things that God had for them, a a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city, a city, the new Jerusalem for them. That same place is being prepared for you, and it's going to be beyond your imagination. Now, the question is this. In light of these things, the third thing I want you to write down is what does God want me to do? And hopefully that's, that's a question that you'll begin to ask yourself if you have not been asking yourself. What does God want me to do? In light of the good things, the glorious thing that God has for you and me, what does God want me to do while I'm in this world? In other words, the moment that you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's a reason that he didn't just immediately take you to be with him in heaven. He left you here in this world. There's a reason for that. Now, I want to give you four reasons what I I would recommend, the Bible tells you, recommend that you and I should do while we're living here in the world. There's many reasons, but four primary reasons. The first one that I want you to write down is the word grateful. Would you write that down? Gratitude or grateful. Grateful. What God wants you and me to do in light of what he's, how he, he's, going to, he's blessing us now and how he's going to bless us is that you and I would be grateful to him, to give thanks to him. And that's what the Bible says. Give thanks in all things, the good things, but also in the difficult things. But even in the difficult things, we have great things ahead. So we need to have hearts that are grateful towards God. Here's what the scripture says in Ephesians 2 For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Your salvation, you didn't have to run faster than a speeding bullet or jump higher than a a, a giant building. You simply had to exercise childlike faith to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and you were born again of the Spirit of God. It was a gift that God gave to you. He forgave you of your sins once and for all forever. Then He filled you with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's enough right there to say thank you, Lord, for the rest of our days while we're in this world. Amen! What good news! So that our hearts will be grateful to God for everything. Secondly, God wants you and me to know that that he is planning on rewarding us. Okay? It's not enough. God doesn't stop at just saving your soul. He says, when you come to me in heaven, I want to be able to reward you. Now, how does it work? Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us something wonderful. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. So in other words, your life is about building on a foundation. Now you're going to use either gold, silver, and jewels, or you're going to use wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be, the builder's going to be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now, what's he talking about? He's saying you've got one life to live the moment that you come to, to faith in Jesus. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? If you are willing to obey God by faith and live out a life of faith, God has a plan to reward you at the, at the last day. But if you are a person that says, I'm not interested in those things, it's good enough for me that I'm saved and someday I'll go to heaven and I'm just going to squander my life. I'm going to live any way I, lo- I care. I don't care about the things of God. I'm just going to wander or squander the life that is given to me. God will say, "You listen, I'm going to save you on the last day, but I'm also going to show you what you could have received had you lived for me. And you'll see that you've lost the rewards that were, that were stored up for you. But If you live a life of faith and obedience and trust in God, if you begin to put him first and foremost, God is saying, in no way will you lose that reward. I'm going to richly bless you and reward you on that judgment day. God wants you and me to live for him while we are in this world, to invest our lives in him, and then he's going to reward us for that investment. Now, with that investment, the second R is responsibility. Would you write that down for me? And here's what Jesus says in Luke 19, 17. Well done, my good servant. Well done, O good and faithful servant. Because you have been trustworthy in very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Now that's extracted from a story that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, many of you are familiar with it. Uh, Jesus tells a parable. He gives to three of his, uh, a master gives to three of his servants some talents, some money, some resources. And he says, I'm going away, but someday I'll return. Now, two of the three invested uh, what the master gave them, and they doubled what they had. One had uh, 10 talents. He got 20 talents for his master. The other one had five talents. He got 10 talents his master. But the third one said, you're a hard man, I know what you like, so I put what you gave me in the ground. And Jesus said, you're a wicked servant, I'm going to take away what you have, and I'm going to give it to the one that has the most, because uh, you invested what I gave, and you got me a return. And that's what God is saying, this is what Jesus is saying to us once again. What are you going to do with your life while you're here in this, in this world? Because if you invest your life in obedience to Jesus Christ, He's going to to give you responsibilities in heaven. If he can trust you with little things in this world, then he's going to be able to trust you with greater things in heaven. So it may be that if you're trustworthy to Jesus in this world, it may be that you might be a leader of cities or a leader of nations or a leader of of, of whatever it is that he plans for you and equips you for. But once again, it's dependent on how you invest your life while you're in this world. You can squander your life, that's up to you. But if you're willing to be obedient and faithful to worship the Lord, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord in the church and in the world, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus, you are going to be richly rewarded for that investment. Now finally, the the last word I want you to write down is very simply to live. God wants us to, to sum it all up. God wants us to live the gospel that our our lives will be shown to be transformed by the goodness and the love and the mercy of God and how we live out, not only how we live out the gospel, how we share the gospel with others. This world is filled with broken hearts. This world is filled with people that are in darkness and they desperately need the good news of Jesus. There is no plan B. You're it. Your life counts. God wants to use you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, at your school, whatever it is. He wants his light to be shining through you. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, down the very bottom of your paper. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me. And he's talking about you. He had mercy on you because he wants to use you as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. He declared himself to be the worst of sinners. Then, here's the outcome, then others will realize that they too can believe in him, in Jesus, and receive eternal life. What's Paul saying? I was the worst of sinners, but Jesus saved me. And not only did he save me, he used me to touch the hearts and lives of multitudes and multitudes of people. That's what God wants to do with you. People all around you that need to see you living out a life of obedience, faith, trust, love for Jesus Christ. Would you write this name down? Ian McCormick, I-A-N, first name, last name is McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K. If you get a chance in the next week or two, I'd encourage you to Google him or go to YouTube. There's a number of videos of his testimony, and it is a stunning testimony. I'm going to give you a little bit of it, not not too much. I'd encourage you to go and get the details. But he was a young man uh, back in 1982. Um, He had grown up in New Zealand. Uh, His uh, mom got him confirmed in the Anglican Church, but he he wanted nothing to do with God. He said he became an atheist. Uh, but he was passionate, and his passion passion was to find the perfect wave to travel wherever he needed to travel throughout the world and find the perfect wave because he was a he was a surfer, and he tells the story of being uh, off the uh, coast of uh, of India with some friends, and they were uh, they they were surfing. It was nighttime in this particular uh, part of his story, and uh, at night time they were looking for lobsters and so forth, diving down into the water, when all of a sudden he was stung five times by these jellyfish, deadly jellyfish, and uh, to be stung once by one of these uh, jellyfish, it would take about 10 or 15 minutes to die. He was stung five times in his arm by these jellyfish, and he was dying. Uh, the two guys that were with him, they got him to the shore, but they panicked and they, they abandoned him. They ran away. Somehow, some way. and he tells you in the, uh, in the uh, testimony, he made his way to the nearby hotel where he was staying. He convinced the people that he was dying. They got him an ambulance. And in the ambulance, as he was going to the hospital, he said that his life flashed before him. But he heard a voice, and the voice said this, Son, if you close your eyes you will never open your eyes again. But he, he, he was suffering. He, he said he was in excruciating pain. He knew that his heart was bursting on the inside. He was dying while he was inside of that, uh, inside of that, uh, that ambulance. And uh, he, began to, uh, he began to call out to God. And as he called out to God, he said that he had a perfect vision of his mother, and his mother was on her hands and knees praying for him back in New Zealand. God had spoken into her heart while this was happening, told her that her son was dying, and that she needed to pray for her son. Well, as uh, she prayed, God spoke into his heart, and he said that, uh, Son, I want to forgive you of your sins. And right before his eyes, he saw the Lord's Prayer, because that's what his mother had taught him when he was a little kid. And as he recited the Lord's Prayer, it said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And God said, if you, will forg- if you will forgive, I will forgive you. And he said, but, but Lord, he said, he said, I'm not a vengeful man. I, 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 I don't hold any grudges against anybody. And all of a sudden, he saw two faces of these two men that he had never forgiven in his life. And he said, oh, Lord, I can't forgive them. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. And so he said, yes, Lord, if you can forgive me, a lost person like me, I will forgive them. And suddenly their faces went away. They got him to the hospital. They got him into the operating room. He flatlined and he died. Uh, now, when he died, he said it was like they turned the lights off all around him. And he said he got up out of his, out of his uh, gurney, out of his bed, and he began to grope around to try to find a, a light switch and try to understand what was going on. And as he did that, he heard voices, and the voices said to him, Shut up. You're in hell. You deserve to be in hell. Well, he began to cry out to the Lord again. He said, Lord, I thought you saved me in the, in, the, uh, uh, in, in the van coming here. And as he said that, suddenly he said he saw a light coming down, piercing into that darkness. And as that light pierced down into the darkness, and he began to move into that darkness, the, 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 the verse from Scripture came right through his mind, and it said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In amongst evil, God was drawing him out of that into his presence. And he said before he knew it, he was standing in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus' arms were wide open. And he said as he stood before Jesus, he said it was like waves and waves of love kept flowing through him, flowing through his body. He said, I felt like an innocent child. And he said, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. How on earth could you forgive me? And Jesus said, I could forgive you because I died for you. Well, as he stood in the presence of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to him, Ian, are you willing to go back? And he said, Lord, please don't make me go back. I don't know anybody in the world. I don't love anybody in the world. Nobody loves me in the world. And with that, he said that he felt compelled to turn around. And when he turned around, he saw his mother on her knees praying for him. Well, he said, Lord, if I don't go back my mother will never know that I came to faith in you, that I'm with you in heaven. So suddenly, uh, he turned around once again, and when he turned around the second time, he saw like a V shape. He said he he described it like Canada geese flying north uh, in in the fall or whenever they fly north. He said there was a V, and that V was made up of multitudes and multitudes of people. And he could see all their faces very clearly. And the Lord said, would you go back for them? And Ian said, Lord, I don't know them. I've never met them. Lord, I don't care about them. And Jesus said, Ian, I care about them. I love them. Will you go back and tell them so that they will be with me and that they won't go to hell? And Ian said, Lord, you've forgiven me. You've given me eternal life, and yes, I will do that. He said, in a split second he woke up on a slab in a morgue. He's scared to death, the doctor, the nurses, whoever was there, because suddenly a dead man came alive. And he promised the Lord, and he's kept his promise to the Lord since 1982. and he's been, t- he's been telling people, they've made a movie of his life, he wrote a book, but anybody that will listen to him, he tells them his story, his testimony, that he had died. He had gone to hell, and from hell he had gone to heaven and that heaven is real, and that God loves people, and God wants people to be with him in heaven forever and ever. Amen. His life counts. God wants your life to count. God wants you to know that you are a member of his family through trust and faith in Jesus. And that your home is not this world. Your home is the eternal home that God offers you and promises you in a new heaven and a new earth. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to invest your life? The things of this world that come to nothing? Or are you going to invest your life by being obedient loving God, trusting Him, putting your faith in Him, allowing Him to do great and wonderful things in you and through you to the broken world around you. Let's pray. God, we praise you and thank you for the promise of heaven and what Scripture tells us its something that's beyond our imagination. And you, God, have allowed people to come into your presence and then come back and tell us it's true. Oh, that that glorious message would just go deep down inside of us today, God. That we would be changed and transformed. There's so many of us, Lord, that are wasting our lives. And today might be our last day. There's so much you want to do in us and through us, in the world around us. Oh, that we would change today, God. That we would repent today, God. That we would open our hearts today, God, to you and what you want to do because what you do will be glorious and wonderful beyond imagination. So bless these people, God. You love them, I love them, I'm excited about them. We love you for what you're going to do in this church and what you are doing in this church, to this neighborhood, in this city. We can't wait to see all the, the, the things that you will do. But God, at the same time, there may be people here today that have never put their trust and faith in you, there may be people here today that have never humbled themselves. Maybe they've never heard this message, this simple message of the gospel of Jesus. If somehow, some way, you feel God is speaking to you, you're it. <laughs> it's like tag. God has touched you. And he's saying, listen, I love you, I care for you, but you're in deep trouble. Without my son Jesus... You're under my wrath, and I don't want you to be under my wrath. I want you to come out from under my wrath. I want you to be rescued. I want you to be a member of my family so that you know beyond a shadow of doubt that you're born of the Spirit of God and you're going to go to heaven. If you'd like to do that, I want to give you the opportunity right now to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's very simple. Uh, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. You can say it in the quietness of your own heart. You don't have to say this out loud. But you can open up your heart to God's love and mercy and grace and receive the free gift right now. And what you can say is this. Just repeat it after me, just in your mind. Just say, Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. Just say that. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. And then say, I'm sorry for my sins. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Then say this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, here and now, here and now, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And then say, thank you. That's all. This is simple. This is not, it doesn't take rocket science. Thank you, God. Thank you for saving me. And now, Lord, I want to live for you. And if you've prayed that with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've prayed that prayer right now, you don't need me to tell you something profound and wonderful has happened. What's happened is God has forgiven you of your sins. He's filled you with his love and his grace. And now you're a member of his family, born of the Spirit of God. And now for the rest of us, God, we thank you that we did that sometime in the past. But we want our lives to be more and more surrendered to you, so help us to do that. May your blessing be upon us and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.